0: Hello everyone, this is Sonata Allison and you're listening to episode 15 of the Parallel Podcast where we talk about sexuality as it should be. All righty, hello everyone. For whatever reason, I'm just really excited to be here today. Like, (laughs) I don't know what it is, but um, as you guys can see, we're going to be talking about forgiveness today. Um, I don't know I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be excited about forgiveness because that's not easy thing to do but um, yeah just excited to be making this podcast today so um, if you didn't see my post on the parallel pod Instagram we have over a thousand plays on the podcast Woo! and that says way less about me and more um, to the fact that we are We are a family like mm I don't know the words, Um, but I just think it's really cool that you guys want to do this Christ following thing. Right. Um, in one of the hardest areas known to man, in my opinion, which is sexuality. So um, I think now is a good time to plug the Parallel Hub on Facebook join it. Um, we have some pretty cool people already in there, um, but I just want it to be an extension of this safe space on the podcast so we can all chat more and be the church and fellowship together. Um, and I'll link that in the description. All right, let's get right into it then. So to start this episode, I want to read you some quotes about forgiveness. And this part's not going to be like too serious, but um, I do know all of you may be familiar with some, but some of them will actually hold some truth to them. So first, um, we all know the phrase "Forgive and forget." Um, then there is "Forgiveness is for you and it's not for other people." Then there's a quote by Lewis B. Smead that says, "To forgive, it's to set a set of prisoner free. And discover that prisoner was you. <laughs> and another one is sometimes the first step to forgiveness is understanding that the other person is a complete idiot. And I think I can just end the podcast there. Um, Just kidding. But the final one I want to have you guys hear kind of embodies a large part of what I want you to understand today. And it is a quote by David Small that says, to understand somebody else as a human being, I think is about as close to real forgiveness as one can get. Um, and with that quote, we'll continue the conversation about forgiveness. Now, a book that really helped me to understand forgiveness is called Forgiveness is a Choice by Robert E. Enright. And I will look that in the description as well. This book really helped me understand the point of forgiveness and um, truly see as corny and annoying as it may be that forgiveness really is for me um this book is kind of a a self-help book i kind of skipped around just to kind of see the things that i needed to work on personally but i definitely would recommend you getting this book so um, i'll point out some things from the book today now my earlier earliest memories of forgiveness go back to when i was younger and either i myself or one of my brothers or cousins were forced to say sorry and I tell you right now, I hated saying sorry when I was younger. And just so you can really understand, I had my brother say a little about it here. (laughs) Uh, You wouldn't apologize. There would be no apologies. It would be like uh, something like, I'm not saying I'm sorry because if I said I was sorry, I'd be lying. And I don't and we're not and lying is bad. So there just wouldn't be an apology. And we just sit there, just have to take that. (laughs) Oh, man, I shouldn't be laughing. But literally, just hearing that, like, it sounds like something I would say. (laughs) So that's why it's just so funny to me. Um, But also, like, who did I think I was at that age? I really was just, like, so careless sometimes. But also, I think it's cool to see that, like, even when I was younger, honesty has been, like, so important to me. But even to a fault at times in my relationship skills. And that's a message right there. But um, maybe I can fit an episode in later about that. But even early in my college years, um, I just felt like a physical piece of my body leaving, like being ripped from me when I had to apologize. Um, But when it came time to forgive and you may relate to this, like you come to like a fork in the road when you have to decide, like, do I forgive this person or not? Like, do I hold this grudge and stay safe in what I know? Um, I know this person hurt me and I w- it was wrong that they did that. Or do I forgive? What does it even mean to forgive? How much is too much forgiveness? How do you forgive and still hold people accountable? And the answer to this these questions is yes. <laughs> just kidding. Um, these are all valuable questions that I think most of us never really get the answer to. And that's what leads to people just kind of holding grudges or simply being careless with their own feelings. Um And quote unquote, letting things slide, quote unquote, getting over it or sweeping it under the rug. But these things never really lend to healthy relationships. And you never actually really let go of these things if you think about them. They just kind of lead to resentment. Now, I first want to lay out some negative effects of anger or holding grudges, um, what they can cause. First, it can manifest in a real physical way in your body in that anger can affect your health. So the book speaks about how a researcher published a paper on the effects of deep passive anger. So this is not the buff guy yelling at the new girl because she got his iced caramel macchiato wrong. I don't even know if I said that right, but you get the picture. Um, this is about passive anger where it's pretty much festering in your innards. And he looked at the, uh, the relationship this kind of anger has on high blood pressure. And the dystolic pressure was higher in those with deep passive anger. Um, there was also a study done on Israeli men and college women that showed a correlation, but it wasn't the circumstances that caused hypertension. So stressful situations, um, because other studies show that a person in these situations of facing injustice um, that coped well, um, these people coped by showing assertion and expressing anger in a straightforward way Um that may help them uh, escape hypertension, which is basically blood pressure, so high blood pressure. So the people that were actually expressing their anger in straightforward ways somehow avoided high blood pressure, which is very interesting. And another interesting study showed that those who expressed anger in stressful family situations showed lower dystolic blood pressure readings than did those who suppressed their feelings. Um, And that may be shocking because you think like the person who doesn't commute communicate their anger would you know just have less high blood pressure like they seem calm out it, they seem calm outwardly but inwardly that's not the case um and I just want to ca- kind of stop there for a second with all of my clients when I first meet them because Dr. Cummings the professor that kind of inspired this whole podcast taught me a lot about counseling he spoke about the importance of understanding the person's relationship with emotions And I spoke to you guys in episode eight about flooding and how a person may appear calm, but there can actually be a storm inside where the person has just become way too overwhelmed to engage and passive anger can have the same effect. But um, I want to clarify to you that anger is not a bad thing. Anger never was a bad thing. Anger never has been a bad thing. Anger is a human response to the feeling of injustice or being hurt. So you should desire others to feel anger. And you should desire to feel angry because otherwise, right about now, there'd probably be like only roaches and mosquitoes living on planet Earth because there'd be no no regard for like justice. So anger is a good is good when responded to in a healthy manner. So Jesus was out here flipping tables in the temple because they had defiled his father's home. And this is not me saying that flipping tables is righteous. Only Jesus can rightfully be angry to that extent, probably because what he was flipping tables for was really important. Um, So I think anything we would be flipping tables for probably wouldn't be justifiable. But Jesus was angry. And um, I always remind you guys, if it's biblical, you abandon any belief that doesn't align. So you are allowed to be angry because the one who you're modeling your life after became angry. So trying to stay calm and collected all the time is not righteous, it's actually high blood pressure or heart disease and I'm sorry to say that. And I'm not saying like don't desire to be calm but experience your true emotions in healthy ways and you're still healthy in that way. You communicating your anger is not bad. And outside of physical effects it can obviously affect your relationships but not in the most obvious ways. For example, research was done on 30 divorced or permanently separate women, um, separated women, and 30 of their children as well. And it was found that the more the mother gave her former spouse forgiveness, the less she used harsh or negative behaviors towards the child when disciplining them. And the mothers who forgave the least seemed to displace their anger on their children through harsh parenting. Now, these children were in the most likely case, not the reason for the divorce between their parents. And I would even say that these mothers would deny that they are the main source of the, their anger. So these kids are not the main source of the anger. But still, these children are receiving harsh and negative behavior and responses to things that have nothing to do with them. So you may be able to see it in your life today or in the past when um, people were hurt by you and had nothing to do with the hurt that was caused to you. And it grieves me to just think about all the people I've hurt in the past because I didn't know how to forgive my dad. The hurt I experienced from one person caused so much hurt from my own hands. And the Bible says in Romans 14:12, so then each of us will give an account for himself to God. And that day has already come for my father, but just because he caused hurt for me doesn't mean I'm excused from hurt I've caused. But thank God, because he came and took all the sins and hurt I've caused and counted it as his own. And I'm saved from eternal punishment. Thank God. But there are still consequences for my actions on earth. And because Christ lives in me, my life will be a response to the sacrifice he made for me. And thank God my relationship with him matters more than the ones on this earth. Because if we can all be honest, if our works and our relationships are what we're going to use as a score sheet to get into heaven we're all failing. We're not going to level up. We are going to stay on this earth. And we fail often, but thank God we serve a forget a forgetful God when it comes to our sins. And obviously our God is all-knowing, but it's a powerful statement to say that he treats our sins as something forgotten. Like, what a good God. The Bible says in Isaiah 42 uh 43:22 he sweeps away our transgressions. In Micah seven eighteen. he casts all of our sins into the depths of the sea. And in Isaiah thirty eight seventeen, just like if your chain hanged low and it wobbled to the flow, and if it shined in the light, and if it was platinum or if it was gold, he throws your sin over his shoulder or behind his back, as the scripture says. Um, so I think an important distinction to make uh, is that we humans are flawed and we will never be able to love each other well enough to never make mistakes in relationships with jesus it should be easy to trust logically the smartest thing to do as a human is to trust and elevate your relationship with someone who wants what's best for you at all times Um, someone who never has to ask for your forgiveness and loves you in every way you could possibly imagine that would be the most logical thing to do to avoid betrayal and um, to avoid being let down but we are humans who have a sin nature, so a lot of the time we lose track of those truths that I just said, but also we tend to expect all those things um, that I outlined in God's capability to flawed humans who are not capable and that just just think about that that's that's going to be a fail <laughs> if you are looking for perfection from flawed humans. but to forgive for a human may seem very counterintuitive as well. Especially for those who aren't in Christ. Why would I give this person another opportunity to hurt me? Or it's even worse when you feel like someone has hurt you and they look like they're out here living their best lives. Um, so you may think if I hold on to this grudge, um, if I hold on to what they did, they are somehow being held accountable. But those ways of thinking are not true or helpful. Now, true forgiveness does take bravery and it's against human nature. But luckily, we've had some practice being Christians. Um, now, even when I read this definition of forgiveness from the book, my flesh is like, oh, uh, I don't like this. So it's defined as a gift to our offender. What? For why? That makes me angry just thinking about it. Why would I give a gift to someone who just hurt me? What sense does that make? But you know what it sounds like? Matthew five forty four which says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So praying to God for someone else is a gift. Love is a gift. So this human researcher, um, this human research definition of forgiveness falls right in line with what Jesus requests of us. Um, The definition goes on to say forgiveness is not denying our right for resentment, but instead um, by trying to offer the wrongdoer compassion and love, as we give these, we are we as forgivers realize that the offender does not necessarily have a right to such gift. So it's basically you just boiling it down to compassion and love for others. So you may spend a lot of time just getting to the point of desiring to even give compassion to a wrongdoer. These things take time, but nowhere in this definition does it say, anything about forgetting or even being at fault for feeling negatively. You have a right to resentment. You can do that. It's understandable. So I just want to do like a quick myth buster. It's not possible for humans to forgive and forget. I don't like that phrase really. The only way that that would be possible would be if you had a condition that allowed it, which like AKA the movie 51st Dates. Um, So we're not capable of behaving in ways that convey forgive forgetting. And it's not wise in my opinion. So, quick little mythbuster. Mythbuster. It's not possible for humans to forgive and forget. The only way that would really be possible be, would be if you had like a, a cognitive condition or something similar to what happens in the movie Fifty First Dates. Um, we're not capable of behaving in ways that convey forgetting, and it's really not wise, in my opinion. So, I want you to imagine you live in an apartment complex. Uh, Your upstairs neighbor sees you wheeling in some really nice appliances. One day he sees you left your door unlocked and he starts small, you know. But one day you catch Todd leaving your house with your microwave and you're angry and you're hurt because you and Todd go to Taco Tuesday some nights and he confines in you, especially that last time when his hamster died. But Todd only cares about Todd. And it just so happens to be a Monday. And he asks you, you know what, let's go get some tacos tomorrow. Then we can hang out and watch the Olympics on your flat screen TV. And he even tells you how jealous he is that you have that TV. And if you forget, what is sticky finger tie going to do tomorrow? And it's a very lighthearted situation that would be very bad in situations of abuse and neglect. Um, we need not forget when we're hurt by someone. And I'm not saying to remember every single sin against you. Obviously over time you'll forget different things, but it's important to remember for a moment so you can set boundaries that teach people how to love you in the future. In this situation, Todd has a huge slice of the pie of responsibility for your house looking like an empty shack. But it's important for you to assess who you allow in your space and ask questions for clair- for clarity. If you ask Todd if he'd been stealing from you after your dog went missing and you feel like you've been hearing Sparky upstairs sometimes, maybe catching Twinkle Toes leaving your house with your microwave, wouldn't have been the breaking point, you know? So we need to be mindful of who is around us. So remembering allows you to lock your door when you leave. It allows you to let your landlord know what Todd was doing or even allows you to move to a different side of the complex or out of the complex completely. Remembering allows you to sit and assess next steps, not keep you in a nasty cycle of dwelling or experiencing deep passive anger. It is also very brave and vulnerable to communicate hurt to someone who hurt you. I spent a lot of sessions just helping clients um, just be able to communicate hurt. It's very vulnerable, but keep in mind that forgiveness is a gift. The book speaks about how communicating what the person had done to you instead of ghosting them or sweeping it under the rug can do. And that's two things. Even if the person doesn't change in the relationship with you, having that conversation could help them in future relationships. And I know that doesn't sound fun, but forgiveness is not a selfish act. And thinking about other people that this person is in relationship with matters as well. And this can be in friendships as well. It doesn't have to always be romantic. So it's kind of like you saving other people hurt. And also, if you communi- if you choose to communicate hurt, it allows people to do better. If people don't know what hurt you, you're just hurt. That's it. Like you're alone in it. So through offering the gift of communication, even when you're the one that was hurt, you're allowing people to love you better as well. Also, the Bible speaks about the importance of communicating when we've been sinned against, but also when we've sinned against another. One verse in particular is James five sixteen. So we are encouraged in this behavior as Christians. The main thing that has really stuck with me and helped me to be better at forgiving is remembering that we are all humans and we're all capable of the same sin done against us. And you may say, like, I would never insert thing you would never do here. And you may be right about that. Like, maybe you would never do that thing. But you um, are still fully capable of that exact same thing. You can do it. It's in your being. From the ability to tell a white lie to murder. You're fully capable. You as a human being. And another thing that helped me. And sadly, I can't remember where I got this brilliant imagery from. I think it was like a a message I was listening to at church or maybe it's like literally in this book that I read. Um, But think of the person that has hurt you right now. Just kind of someone that has really just done you wrong. I want you to think of what the person did to you. Now, imagine that person who hurt you on a gallow. So a gallo is basically a huge stick they used back in the day to basically impale a person who committed a crime. Um, So I don't mean to be too graphic, but either they would make a hole in your body or use one that the good Lord gave you. (laughs) And you're just up there on that stick for everyone to see, to be made an example of. So imagine that person up there for a second. Since you are fully capable of that same crime that the person committed, would you give yourself the same punishment or would you give yourself a lesser one? I use this imagery for a client and she literally said like, uh, uh-uh, I would give myself a slap on the wrist and keep it moving, which is hilarious, but probably true. So then that leads me to ask my next question. What stops you from giving the same grace to someone else? If you would want a lesser punishment, why would you not allow that for someone else who committed the same exact crime that you did? So in Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving debtor is outlined. And in the story, this man is basically in debt for what would be an equivalent of a million dollars and he wouldn't pay it back to the king. So um, the king ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children to pay off the debt. So basically an indentured servant. And this guy falls to the ground. He's begging him. I imagine it being like donkey pleading with Shrek to stay with him or us when we swear we're not going to do something that we probably will do. And the master was like, all right, all right. He had pity on him and released him and forgave his debt, like completely forgave it. Like my man's was free. Um, And obviously this man had too much dip on his chip um, because he went right after being forgiven of his debt, went to one of his friends or a, a, a fellow servant. And my man's put his grubby little hands on him, grabbed him by the throat and asked him for his payment. And once again, this man now is begging, please don't do this. And instead of doing like the king did for him. Message, he had this man arrested and put into prison. And what happened to him? The other servants went and they're like, oh no, we tell on you. So they went to the king and they said, you have an evil servant. And the the king brought my man's back and asked him, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Ow. I know it's some conviction in the room right now. feel it don't avoid it um then the angry king put him in a prison to be tortured until he made his entire debt then it says that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sisters from your heart sheesh well it was not talking to y'all um i'm gonna go ahead and end it here just kidding but I think it's mine. It's important to be mindful of the distinction here. So there's a difference between having a heart set on not forgiving and be, and struggling with forgiveness. Um, so the key word here was refuse. Um, forgiveness is a process and sometimes you will find yourself holding the grudge that you had placed at the father's feet and you'll have to go return like multiple times, bringing it back to his feet. There's no failure in that. Um. It's only in when you choose to covet the grudge and let it take over when the Bible says God will have the same approach to you. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In order to truly forgive, it has nothing to do with you and way more to do with your understanding of grace and mercy. And it has way more to do with your ability to be grateful for the crazy amount of forgiveness you have already received and the fact that somehow after your sin, you are literally in the family of the Most High God, something you could never deserve. And this is not to condemn you, but do you truly understand the way that you have sinned against the one person who has never wronged you? We really don't want to be on our high donkeys looking down when we've also committed one of the worst sins possible. I think this understanding allows us to lighten up a bit on humans' who we know are literally flawed. Um, It allows us to communicate and to create some boundaries to continue to live out our callings as Christ followers, which is to love God, ourselves, and others. Matthew 12, 31. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. I will literally have to go back and listen to it as well. So I will link the book in the description and link the Parallel Hub, and I will speak to you guys next week. Bye!